Remember October 8th? Wasn't that a fun day? I remember October 8th because we did a thing with the Flyover Podcast Festival hosted by Dimension Mill. Wasn't that a lot of fun? It was fun. The trip over. I don't (laughs) in planes, okay? I really don't. So next time... (laughs) I'm either going to walk or take the bus, but no more single engine planes for me. Yeah, I don't like those. They're too rocky. Yes, yes. But it was it was most fun. I enjoyed that. What do we speak about or t- talk to us about it? I liked the exercise of getting some clarity on on what we do and why we do it. Like, I thought that was useful. That was. It made us think about why we actually do this, which I just thought we just did it because it was fun. It is fun. But you're right. It, it 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 helped us get back to the roots of why we do it and the people that we help or try to help. Yeah. A lot of the things that Kevin learned there involve us being more organized. Oh, really? He hasn't told us those things yet. Clearly. I guess he'll have to slowly roll it into us, you know, slowly. <laughs> He's going to give it to us just a tiny little tiny piece at a time. time yeah. We won't even notice that we're becoming more organized. And then suddenly uh-huh. we will be. Suddenly we'll be meeting every Thursday at noon. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, we could do that. Well, yeah. So that was cool. And who sponsored that? Do we remember? Not the food, sweet grass, but the equipment, sweet water. Because when they talked about the giveaways, I thought that there was a chance we would get a gift card for like fried Twinkies. Yeah, they they, uh, do audio video things, right? Mics and guitars. And Kevin, you know what? Now that I think about that equipment that I bought, the really nice thing that we've never used. Probably we will because of things Kevin learned at the Flyover Festival. Okay, okay. I think I bought bought that at Sweetwater, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. They are a good company. But that was fun. And I would love to do it again sometime. Enjoy this episode. It's a recording of our Flyover Podcast conversation. This is when. We're going to go ahead and kick off um, the two o'clock sh- session with Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKees. They are the hosts of My Races Friends podcast, and they're going to be talking to you and sharing with you the messy parts of relationships. So, Hey, everyone. Hey, Amy. Hey, Don. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Now it's just the two of us, it feels like, sort of, because I can only see you. Yeah, but, you know, there's people there. I know. I know. They're okay. invisible. They're invisible. Okay. So, um, Kevin made a nice list for us. Okay. Um, and he's telling me that he's, he's been attending today and that they've, that Lindsay, Lauren, and Jake talked about beginning with a conversation and preparing and stuff like that and... Um, <laughs> His what? point was, I know, right? That was his point. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, so we just need to start all over again because that's not how it works around here. 
Well, but so what I've found when we do ours is that when I prepare too much, we can't do it. Like it doesn't work. Mm -mm. And I, that just came to me as I was reading that is at the times that I've had a really specific, we need to talk about this and we need to make this point and it hasn't really worked and it's wound up sounding stiff. I think it's because we, how we started, we started, we're friends and we just started having conversations and then we decided to go ahead and tape our conversations mm -hmm. and make it, you know, so if, if it's just me and you talking about what's going on in our lives and how things are affecting us, you know, I think it, it comes from a pure place and, and, and then we've got Kevin to go ahead and fix it, <laughs> to edit it, to make it sound like we, you know, knew what the heck we were doing. He's, he's now pointing me to the part of the paper that says introduction. <laughs> Oh, we usually do that last. <laughs> I know. <laughs> With much grief to Kevin, who's been patiently saying for an hour, are you going to introduce it? Are you going to introduce it? So I'm going to say a little, bit, a little bit about me, and then you say a little bit about you, okay. and then we'll talk about, we'll, we'll return to this part of the conversation. Okay, fair enough. Okay. My name is Amy McKees. I grew up in Bloomington and went away for a little bit and then came back in 1999. And I am a licensed clinical social worker. I am the director of the Bloomington Center for Connection, which is provides mental health services, community building, and community education using a relational cultural lens. And I'll get back to that in just a minute. Okay, I'm Don Griffin, and uh, I'm also a Bloomington native. Me and Amy went to uh, high school together very, very long time ago. I graduated in 89. You graduated in 80, what? 87? Seven. Now they're going to know, like, all my passwords. That's okay. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm Don Griffin, uh, uh, and, and I'm a Bloomington native, and What's unique about me and Amy is that we are Bloomington natives that still live in Bloomington. We've both <laughs> gone away and we came back. I went to Hampton University, studied architecture, but then came back and, uh, and got into real estate 28 years ago. And uh, I've owned my own company uh, called Griffin Realty and off-campus housing for almost 18 years now. That's who I am. I'm a Bloomington native who just loves Bloomington and uh, wants to help make it into the place that we all want to stay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're like Bloomington's biggest fans on some days. Some days. Wes just called us bloomerangs. <laughs> Bloomerang, yes, that's what we are. <laughs> uh -huh. So um, one of the things that happened when we were having these conversations, we started our podcast in August 2019, and we've done... 40? Is that what you said? 40 episodes. I was going back through them last night and I was, I think because they hit me so hard that I thought of them as being more recent. The idea, what happened is that you and I talked a lot because you helped me get the Bloomington Center for Connection building. Mm -hmm. And while we were doing that, I talked probably a lot about my excitement about relational cultural theory and what that is and how it applies to like social justice work and community building and life in general. And then we would have these conversations. Um, and I started thinking 
that I was learning so much from having these conversations with you about like, I remember we were talking about the Covington teenager that was on the front page with the red Make America Great hat yelling, like in, in a confrontation with the Native Americans. Native Americans, that's right. Okay, okay. And, um, <clears throat> and I, was, I was having to stretch a lot in that conversation that we were having. And I was like, oh, this is really good. I'm learning a lot. It'd be cool if we could share this. And Kevin jumped on and started hurting us. Hurting, not hurting. You said yes. And we've been like pretty regular. Mm -hmm. We have. The, the things that we deal with, the things that we talk about are, can be emotionally draining, especially yeah. with the division, the racial division and uh, that, that, that is going on in our community and in our, in, in our entire country. And there's so much content on a daily basis that when we start talking about it, you kind of relive it. You, you kind of uh, endure that, re-endure that trauma. And it also brings up things that we both have lived with as, as far as if it's racial or if it's sexist or uh, we, we, can, we can go back to things and say, okay, that, that, I, you know, that's a similar situation happened to me or what have you. And I think that's basically what, that's, that's kind of what we do, isn't it? We, we... Yes, yes. I, I mean, I'm going to say a little bit about what relational cultural theory is, because I think that gives a solid background for what we do. Relational cultural theory evolved out of the feminist movement, um, in particular in psychotherapists in the 1970s. Actually, a, a publication asked Anna Freud to write a book about women and she was like, I'm not super into that. But Jean Baker Miller over at Wellesley Stone Center is really into that and is having these weekly group meetings where they talk about it. So Jean Baker Miller said yes and wrote Toward a New Psychology of Women. And that was the um, sort of, the, that's the origin book of uh, relational cultural theory. And at the time, all of the theories were basically like you're a dependent infant and you grow to be completely independent if you are a successful adult. Like at the same time, Kohlberg was doing this research on how people develop morality. He kept noticing that boys, according to his model, that boys become morally mature faster than girls. In fact, sometimes girls didn't, e didn't even get there. And he had someone working under him named Carol Gilligan. And she was like, what now? And she did some in-depth research using his model for morality and interviewing uh, middle school girls. And what she came up with was the point that the girls were using relationships to make decisions more than the boys were, and that the dominant narrative about going to this triumphantly independent person was one that discounted how the girls were using relationships to thrive. And so out of Carol Gilligan and Jean Baker Miller and uh, more people that were working with them came this idea that people grow through and toward relationships. That a mark of maturity is the ability to engage in a more complex relationship, not the ability to be completely independent. Like as you get smarter and more mature, you're able to handle harder relationships. Mm. One thing that was happening at the beginning of our when we started this show was a lot of people who thought that they thought the same thing 
they all would have identified um, as liberal and probably told other people that they were and were having a lot of trouble hearing each other about the farmer's market. And that's one of the things we were talking about was a complex relationship there. And that, that was like the first thing that we dove into. You want to explain to them what was going on with the farmer's market? Uh, uh, do most people know what the, the farmer's market think, and the Nazis? Most people know. If, they, okay. if you don't know, you put it in the Q&A and then we'll do that. I'm not going to do the questions and answers yet, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we called it My Racist Friend, um, that was me. Um, and that was because I wanted to explore the idea that we could be friends because we were and are friends and I could still be trying to unpack some of my internalized racism and learning more about that through our relationship and our conversations. And that's, that's like RCT at its finest is growing through a relationship. I thought we were just, that might be giants. Uh, they might be giants <laughs> fans. That's, that's, that's all I thought. I, I, was, I really don't have racist friends, not really. Um, oh, right. I've been on your Facebook page. I know what oh, kind of friends Oh, I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> None of them are on the podcast, though. So That's okay. You know, well, so, so, yeah. But actually, one, one of our episodes, we wound up unpacking racist things that I did in high school, right? I mean, I don't want to brag about it or anything mm-hmm. on here. I mean, but, but You were part of it, but you weren't like, you know. Yeah, but I didn't understand. Like until when I was a kid, I did not understand at all that it was anything other than funny. funny. Yeah. And I assumed you thought so too. Like I, yeah. so, so I, so I do, I, I'm trying to emphasize that I don't think there are people out there who are done with racism. Sure. We all, we should always be growing right we should all be you know and and some of the things that we talk about here have have helped me grow too you know not with just race but just in how i perceive my perception of other people that are not me and their ideas and so forth so anyway so one of one of the first question that is here is do you feel the key to your podcast is the trust and friendship you already had and could you do the same podcast with something you aren't as comfortable with? What do you think? I have some ideas, but. Yeah, I think we could, right? Uh, me and you are just, or, or someone else. What, what are they asking? Like, would this work with someone that we don't know? So, or someone that we're not already as comfortable with? Like you and I always fell into an easy rhythm of talking I th- I think, before this. I think we're trying to, uh, we're trying to model conversations that we think other people should try to have. I think we come to a place of just talking, right? If, mm-hmm. if you are dedicated to just talking to someone, even if we are from two different worlds, but we're going to just try to talk to each other about things that, that we both might like. I mean, hell, I could, I could do a, a whole podcast on a, a Ford F-150 with just about anybody. And just what kind of, and we could just talk about that. And, and out of that, we learn to like each other. We learn to get along with each other. And then maybe that our conversation opens up and we get to learn more about each other, but it takes time. 
I think that's it. I think when we do this, you have to be willing to take the time. You, you can't assume that you're going to change someone's mind about you right away or about their thought process right away. It's got to be, you've you got to be willing to put in the work. So yes, I think we could do it. Yes. One of the things that inspired me a lot as, as we were starting this is an essay written by Maureen Walker. And if you go to marinewalker.com, you can see all of her essays. But she was talking about that the way to, to listen is to listen as though you might be wrong. And then one of the other questions that she says is to listen and ask yourself, what circumstances would it take in my life for me to wind up believing what this person believes or is saying? With that in mind, I could do this with someone else. I think the key, though, would be that I need to know that we're both interested in, in learning about each other. Mm -hmm. We know that if we don't agree on something, we're still going to like each other afterward. And so we don't go into it. <laughs> What's that face? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel you. I feel, no, I'm teasing. You know I'm teasing. I know. I know. I know. So it, it's a, a spirit of curiosity rather than going into a conversation. I don't go into any conversation thinking I'm going to convince Don of this. Partly because I know I might not be able to do that, <laughs> but, not but right also away, because though, it's hard right? to listen when you're trying to convince someone. What? Not right away. I've changed my mind. If I go back 30 uh, episodes back, I've changed my mind about a lot of things, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a continuous conversation, I think, you know? Yes, it is a continuous conversation. And, and I do believe that you can do this with other people um, and this is a question that, that was here pretty quickly. And it was, how do you explore difficult conversations in a way that people are willing to listen? I don't even listen to these podcasts. I can't, because if I do, <laughs> then I'll start changing what I think based on what people, what I think people like or what makes me sound smart. Oh, So yeah. that's, that's why I don't, I, I, we don't, so I think we just, we have to be authentic. And we can't really worry about whether or not people are listening. Like, if it, we, we hope it gets to someone. I mean, this is how I feel anyway. We hope that it helps someone. That's why we're doing it. But we don't have necessarily have the goal of, I don't anyway, uh, of, that sounds really bad. I don't, I don't even. You don't have you, a goal of me listening to you? I, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we talk and we try to discover ourselves and hopefully we've got people there for the ride. I think one of the things about that question is, are you, when you say people are willing to listen, are you saying people are willing to listen and think that you're right, maybe? Like, because listening is such a, a deep act in and of itself. Kevin and I were talking about this yesterday when we were like trying to get ready for this. And I truly believe that you can't have these conversations if you think that you are trying to persuade someone of something. If you try to use the tools that relational cultural theory offers for deep listening and for connection with like this little thought in your mind that you're going to use them in order to convince someone of something, then you can't convince someone of something. Like you might, you might, but it's, it's less likely and 
if you use these tools and value the relationship and put the effort into creating that relationship, my faith in humanity is that a lot of the time that connection brings about the change that you were seeking by trying to convince them of something in the first place. Mm, that's pretty deep, Amy. <laughs> that's pretty deep. I just thought maybe they just were like, how do you get people to listen to you? Like, like who wants to listen to Don Griffin for 25 <laughs> no, minutes? I, I thought it meant, that's, you... <laughs> it's pro it was probably a deeper conversation. Like you, like you said, and I'm thinking like, <laughs> well, my mom listens, Amy's mom listens, uh, you know, cause so I'm thinking more, you know, and sometimes they listen like twice. I don't know about your mom, but my uh, mom. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Another a question. Do you bring guests on your show? And if so, how do you prepare them is interesting because at first we didn't prepare guests at all. We just are like, oh, come on the show and talk with us. One of the things that, that is really important in this conversation is a willingness to be vulnerable and to be curious and explore together, like to be curious about each other and how that goes. More recently, we've been trying to come up with like a, a pre-show preparation. I think in order to get us off to a good start, because I think eventually we, we've gotten there with all of our guests, but preparing them for our, for the values of the show, I think, can make that happen faster. Mm -hmm. And we do sit, I mean, you're, you're right. We will sit there and talk for quite a bit and just get into the rhythm of yeah. talking about anything just to get, and, and then we somehow merge into things that are relevant for what we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah. So the, the question, do your episodes build on the one before or do they tackle separate topics is sort of funny because there's like at least... I don't know how many, at least three episodes where we said today we're going to talk about the farmer's market. And then like 45 minutes later, like, okay, I am emotionally spent and cannot talk anymore. And did we mention the farmer's market? No, we did not. So, and I'm going to go back just a little bit because someone pointed out that not everyone here is from, that's listening is from Bloomington. And so if you're not, Bloomington had um, some issue with white supremacists, some issues with white supremacists in the farmer's market. Actually, the IDS did a really good article on it if you wanted to get some backstory on that. It's really a preview of, we were trying to stop a year ago what is now happening, where you see the Proud Boys and the Three yeah. Percenters. They were hitting Bloomington, uh, coming from all over the place. It, it was like ground zero for a cultural war that was like the whole country is finally in. But yeah. the guys that you see on TV, they were here in Bloomington. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bloomington uh, got a good preview. Yeah, I mean, not a preview. I think more of a clear look into what was already. What does IDS stand for? Indiana Daily Student. It's the the IU newspaper, and they've done some great. Um, they really have pieces in the last year on other topics too. They've just they've really been willing to dive dive into stuff we definitely refer to episodes that happened before and in the way that we are maturing and deepening our connection and understanding each other better they build on the one before but there's not like a season arc or anything there's not like a season five bad guy or and we find a lot of this stuff is it's all the same fight when we're talking about social justice and 
local things that are happening locally, you can see, start to see patterns. One time we were talking about um, living in a community where Bobby Knight was a God. Yeah, that, I feel like that was actually one of those that I was both pleased with how it came out and embarrassed to participate. We, and we realized that there were, that we realized that some of the parallels of, of living that life, because you're, you're always like, well, how could you be a Trumpster? Or how can, I hate that. I, 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 we, we do get political, so I'm sorry if I've offended anybody. But, but we realized that we were kind of in the same we had a cult of personality that we all yes. followed and all loved and IU basketball was that thing. And yeah. the guy could do no wrong. And then we, and we're like, Oh my God, what does this remind you of? Uh, so yeah. we do, yeah. we fall into things that are local, but then they end up being relevant on a national level. I think so. So what is the best way to react if someone doesn't see your way? And I, I'm assuming that's a question about like, in RCT, how would how would you do it? But I think it's also you have to do this a lot. Who me? Yeah. Oh, all the time. Yeah. It's my whole life. One quote I always use because I used I tell it to my son all the time is that leadership is lonely. Oh, and yeah, we talked about that one episode. Yeah, well, leadership is lonely. You, I, I, we told him that right before he went to elementary school to kindergarten. Like sometimes you're like everybody else is going to be saying something is is okay and it's okay to do this but if you know in your heart that it's wrong you have to stay you have to be willing to take a stand i don't care if the teacher is saying it's okay but you know it's wrong and so that's kind of how i uh, i go through life like if you know something's right there's going to be a lot of people when i anytime i'm walking into a kroger's or a anywhere eyes are on because of I may look different in a in southern Indiana yeah there are people that are judging me you know in a different way than they wouldn't necessarily uh judge judge you yes I'm definitely down home Indiana in the episode when we talked about it I I pushed back a little bit in that leadership is lonely and I don't think you could do it without like I don't think you're offspring could do it without supportive parents who are willing to listen and and help him find the right way to go and i think that you are able to be who you are because of some of the deeper connections in your life too like the relationships and i just wanted to to name that you're doing the skeptical face i can see no that. no no i'm just li i'm li I'm, <laughs> I, I'm liking the guy you're talking about but i'm not sure it's me all the time <laughs> You know, because I mean, sometimes you're just pissed off that people don't want to believe you or, you know, you just. Yeah. And you have places where you can, like, you have a family that you can vent oh, yes. to as well. Right. Yep. And sometimes you and I spend some time venting as well. Like it's and not all flowers and. And I have puppies. this. What brings me to doing this every day, even though when we're doing this, even though it's really hard. Yeah. Like. I love our community, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like a relationship, like a good relationship. Like if, if you're in a relationship and you're not talking about the problems that you have, it just yeah. gets worse and worse. So when I'm talking about things that me and Amy are talking about things that affect us, that hit us hard in the heart, like they, yeah. it's because we want to fix it. 
when we talk about racism and Black Lives Matter, it's not, when I'm talking about that, it's not because I hate other people. It's because I want, I want us all to love each other. And the only way I'm going, that's ever going to happen is if I tell you that I'm hurting. Right. We can't fix what we can't see. Exactly. Yeah. One of my ideas about relationships that I was talking about yesterday was the idea that you can't, you can't vacuum a house unless you can get inside it. Ooh, I like that. And so, so if you like, when you talk about like how to react if someone doesn't see your way or how do you have these difficult conversations, the reason why listening is so important is because if you can't go inside, like if you can't make that connection, the change won't happen anyway. So either make the connection and be willing to listen and have that conversation or, and this is entirely valid and actually important for different people, say, this relationship, this conversation, this connection hurts me too much and I am not willing to put myself in that position. And that's okay too. A lot of times um, you, have to, you have to, you can't, yeah. you got to protect this too, you know? Yeah. Is there more <laughs> Someone questions? asked a while back if our podcast is a live stream of conversation or does yes. someone edit it afterwards? <laughs> and I feel like by now they know the answer to, <laughs> <Yeah>. to that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We have an amazing editor. <laughs> we we do. really do. <laughs> we do. Uh, I listen to Reply All. It's like a podcast that I really like. I, I feel like people who listen to podcasts know about Reply All already. But at the end, they have this thing that they do for their um, producer where they say he is and then they like fill in the blank. Uh, I can't even think of any off the top of my head. I should not have started this sentence, <laughs> but I always want to be able to do that for Kevin. But as evidence just now, I can't do it. But I think those things about Kevin because he takes, he doesn't like change the meaning or move stuff around. He just takes out my times that I fall into thought and disappear for a little bit and makes those a lot shorter. And then he bleeps um, out my F-U's. And, and he my, bleeps out the yeah, And mother effing and it, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh And thanks. he bleeps out the parts where we say, oh, that was really mean, don't put that in. Because uh -huh. that happens sometimes too. That happens a, that, that happens a lot with me, <laughs> let's be honest. Well, I yeah. think, vent, again, venting is, I don't know if we answered that what is the best way to react if someone doesn't see your way. I, I think authentically is, is it. And I think it depends on who it is and how you're trying to connect with them. If it's, you know, Uncle Joe at the, at the Thanksgiving dinner table, you might not want to just shut it down. You might, although you might say, you know, when you say those things, it distresses me and I don't, I, I don't feel equipped to have this conversation right now. Or if you feel equipped, you might say something like, Uncle Joe, when you say that, or I might say something like, when you say that, I worry about, and then insert what it makes me worry about. Not you're wrong because of this, but you know, these are things that come up for me when you say that. And a lot of times that there's this idea in relational cultural theory called the one true thing. And it's something that is authentic and true. So you're not ever like, trying to make yourself sound other than you are. So it's authentic and true, but it also allows room for movement in the relationship. Can you give so, us an example? Give them an um, example. Yes. Well, actually, uh, what prompted this conversation yesterday was a meme 
that I saw on your Facebook page yet, not from you, but like from someone posting on your page that had all four president and vice president. No, no, no. Just Trump, Bernie, uh, Biden. That's who he is. Biden. I forget about him. And Kamala Harris, don't do that. <laughs> and it's like Trump. And then it lists all these things, accomplishments that he has. And then Bernie, and it says something like free college. And then Biden, and it says something like loses a lot or, you know, like whatever or the things are. That about they keep. kids or, yeah, something um, I remember. And then uh, under Kamala Harris, it says slept her way to the top. Like it, they didn't even bother to come up with like, insults on her policy. So that was one of my friends, my, my so-called yes. 5,000 yes. friends that, uh, that, and, and I, when I put things out, I want people to talk. I need people I to know. understand that there are people that actually think like this. Yes. The people that, and, and then people are like, Hey, that's my friend. I, I had no idea they thought that way. It's like, well, you know, they, they do. I mean, we have a lot of work to do, you know, and here's the thing, getting back to that one question, cause that is a good, that still is a good question. That's what we're still on. Uh-huh. Some people are not worth the work that you have to put in to change their mind. You have to ask yourself, are, are you willing, to, is this person worth your time? Because there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to agree with you, whether it's right. about so, this or about something else. Are they worth it? Yeah. And so the, for, for that, for those purposes, I would say that this guy and your thread is not worth my effort and what I said to Kevin is that when I see that meme, it hurts. Like it really upsets me. And I, like it hurts my stomach. It hurts. I didn't even, I'm so sorry. I didn't even no. look at it. I would say, I'm, I should go and say something if no, I find you, it. <laughs> no, you don't have to. But, but that's like the, the authentic, the real reaction is that it hurts me instead of me yelling, you sexist, and then a long series of bleeps, which is really my first impulse because it's easier to feel that anger than to feel the hurt that's underneath it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to jump into the anger. And what I want to say about this guy is that he may have a, a niece at the Thanksgiving dinner table that loves him, even though she knows that he is a little off balance on some issues. She can talk to him. Well, maybe so, but we know that. How many racists that you've seen on uh, that comment on my page who will say something stupid and then say, well, well I'm not a racist. Look at my beautiful niece. And, right, and they're a black, right. they're, they've got, right. got African-American nieces or, yeah. you know, it is just like, dude, that does not mean that you're not a racist. I mean, you know, a lot of sexist men have wives. I mean, like... <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't correlate. Right. right I mean, right. And not, everyone has a mother. Everyone has a mother. That's right. Everyone came into this world the same way, I guess. Mm -hmm. I can't come up with another way to say that. That's okay. um, if you change your mind on something, how do others react to it? And is one of the questions. And I, uh, I have, I definitely have changed my mind on things and I know you have. Mm -hmm. um, and the one conversation that I've had about it with someone what she said to me was, if, you, if none of your opinions from a couple years ago make you cringe, then you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I think of that all the time when I make mistakes and when I wake up in the middle of the night and think, I can't believe I said that out loud. I think, well, good, this is something that I can learn from and then 
this will be the thing I cringe about in two years <laughs> or maybe tomorrow, like depending. And I think it's okay. You have to give yourself as a human that opportunity to grow, right? We're, yeah. we're, not, we're not always going to be the same people. And you're right. I have changed my mind on a lot of things. Um, and will, like, I think we will. both will. Yep. And, and I love that we have this space to do it on our own show. Yeah. Right. On our own show where we're saying, absolutely, this, this is how it should be. And then, you know, a year, a year from that time, we're like, well, I'm kind of coming to, I'm kind of seeing the other side of that. <laughs> a little bit differently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we all got that to, person was right. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I just remembered one of those. The question is, knowing that you have a social justice purpose for your podcast, how do you measure for yourself whether it's helpful or whether it's helping to move the conversation forward? You hear from people. Oh, I do. You're right. I hear from people from all over the place. I, um, you were, uh, one of my friends lives in Houston. Yeah. And they were saying that, that our podcast is re not required reading, but what's it called? Like um, recommended, recommended reading. Uh, That's really uh, cool. Yeah. After with all this. Uh, yeah. Which is cool. And then you, you know, someone that said in Chicago, there's a school system in Chicago. Yeah. I, I know someone who lives in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> they said, My hey, sister. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Your sister said that, right? <laughs> but yeah, yes, that, that has, and people that I don't know at all, or um, people from, from high school have reached out and talked about it. And I don't even know that it matters because I think that part of the, the idea in relational cultural theory is that we're not fixing people to exist in a broken world. We're trying to create people that change the world. Like as we, as we connect to each other, it naturally grows outward and it can't help but change the world. That's the beauty of connection. And for me, I just, I think it's us growing as friends yeah. and supporting each other and then just having other people there for the being, being vulnerable enough to allow other people to be there for the ride. Yeah. Yes. Which is, is, can be kind of hard, but that's why I don't listen. If I probably listened, <laughs> like, oh my God, I said that. I'm never going to sell a house again. I mean, it's never going to happen. I'm but. lucky that I get to live with the editor. And so I can say, oh my God, <laughs> what happened? What did I, and, and he can be like, no, it's, you know, this is yeah. stuff that we're growing on. So yeah. um, we had one other question and it was, did you have a guest flip out and get really mad? And no. So I don't know no, how. No, never. Our I would handle are. it just by. However, it looked in the moment. I don't know exactly. Yeah, and our guests have been wonderful. Yeah, and yeah, we've had great guests. It's been every time. It's been amazing. It it feels better sometimes to be able to unpack some of this stuff with additional hands. Yeah, yeah. I think of one guest we had last fall who was willing to like unpack her own history of growing up in a sundown town. And that was really hard for her to put that out there. And then we had Dr. LaShawn Williams on that show and she was, you know, sharing her experiences growing up and it was vulnerable all around. 
Jada and B has been one. Jada B is a yeah. is a uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, yeah, those those are fun. And uh, and then we 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 had a minister on a, a Marianne a, a, Macklin from the yes. Bloomington. Yes, and she talked about her experience, at, you know, uh, uh, as well. So it's yeah, yeah, it's nice to have people on. You showed up, Miss Flyover Pass Podcast Festival. <laughs> So what's this mean? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Amy and Don, for joining us today for our Flyover Podcast Festival. We enjoyed having you here with us today. Wait, um, I didn't get my peanuts. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> flyover, we're flying at all. Oh, like on the airplane? Yeah, the peanuts. Oh, I gotcha. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That that's a really old thing. I don't know uh, that happened. Yeah. Okay. Bye. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKee, LCSW, took place in separate locations in Bloomington, Indiana, on Thursday, October 8, 2020, as part of the 2020 Flyover Podcast Festival, hosted by Dimension Mill. This session was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKee. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. They didn't appreciate my peanut joke, I didn't think. <laughs> Near the end. <laughs> That's true. I'm not sure if they did or not. <laughs>